Hey guys, welcome back to the Greenback Voyage podcast. My name is Shrubin. And I'm your co-host, Joe. And this week, we are looking more towards, I guess, America's ambition, would you say? There have been a lot of, I guess, issues that Biden has addressed upon in the past week, and some other companies have addressed on that. We shall talk shortly, but first, let's start off with our usual uh, COVID-19 update. And yeah, it's it's been one year since since that infamous Rudy Gobert incident. Right. Uh, but I, I just want to say, you know, a lot of things are, are changing. I think this week we're having a big turnaround in terms of uh, what's going on in this country. Uh, we reached our uh, 100 million uh, doses administered uh, milestone that Biden set. Um, and we should be on track to giving everyone the vaccine within a couple of months, uh, maybe going into 2022, uh, around springtime, I think the majority of the population will get vaccinated. Um, yeah, so it's all really, really good news. Um, as we've seen, you know, the treasury yields are also recovering. Investors are expecting a nice recovery in the, in the economy coming. Um, airlines and oil industry continues to rally based on the news. So. Uh, we're having a, our big turnaround this year. I mean, it's been it's been a year since COVID started, and uh, looks like we're on track to getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have to agree with you that kind of you know, I think we're producing about two point two three million doses. Uh, we're administering them to people like per day. Um, I mean, not everything is good news. I know, I don't know if you've heard about AstraZeneca, but they've been having issues since the FDA hasn't technically, you know, approved the vaccine yet. There's like over 300 million doses in their lockers right now that may expire. Um, And yeah, the other countries like, you know, within the EU and everyone, they, they want those vaccines, but the U S won't let them ship it out to anywhere else right now. Yeah. I mean, I think last, last uh, week we also talked about how Mexico wanted some vaccines from the U S and, uh, mm-hmm. We're not giving we're not giving any of our supply. So uh, interesting choice here. Um, I, I didn't even know that, you know, 300 million doses is going to expire. I mean, that's that's huge. It's a waste yeah. of capital. And I mean, it's a very small chance of, uh, loss of life. Yeah, so it's still a very small chance that they'll all expire. But there is a good possibility, say, for if like, you know, the freezers they're in kind of shut down or something with the amount of energy they're using. So. Yeah, they're kind of concerned about that right now. But yeah, I mean, we had the trillion, I mean, two, almost $2 trillion stimulus package released on Friday. Um, and I think... That was yeah, fast. Couple, yeah, a couple of, I know a couple of people, including my parents and myself, we've all received our $1,400 checks already, which is insanely oh, fast. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was Yeah, a lot of people fast. got their uh, checks this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. They started sending out. Um, but the, we, we passed this stimulus check, uh, stimulus passage really fast. I didn't expect it to be passed this fast. Um, uh, just con- you know, uh, Congress passing it and then Senate making some changes and immediately within a week we, we got this signed. Uh, so that's, that's good. Um, but, uh, I think there are a lot of, uh, I, we, we, we discovered, you know, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, they had some changes and 
uh, some stuff regarding that in the in the package as well regarding healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so gotta be on the watch out for that. You never know what amendments they might introduce. But I guess just with the stimulus package alone, um, there are lots of analysts saying that it would be the nation's fastest annual pace growth, economic growth since like the early 1890s. Um, around like 5.5 to around 7% they're saying will hit. So yeah. In terms of GDP growth? Yeah. Wow. Which, uh, that's, it's insane. That's, a, that's actually about the same as China's uh, projections actually too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, Bi- they're not done there. I mean, Biden had a recent speech, right? And he was calling on for like a clean energy climate change strategy uh, along with like an infrastructure bill that's ranging from like another two to six trillion dollars um so yeah i mean they they're just pushing this as fast as they can for i guess the republicans even know what's going on you know i, I was looking at this chart uh showing uh government expenditure and and the fed uh, you know their balance sheet uh, over presidents since uh, Reagan, and it's just an exponential uh, graph. So you have, you know, each president just increasing uh, the budget and and spending uh, as we go, and you know, increase from Bush to Obama to Trump and now Biden, and it's just exponential growth. And where's like this going to end with you know trillions of dollars? I mean, in two thousand nine, like people went. When the government was giving, you know, the stimulus package, people were like, oh my God, triple-digit billion-dollar package. This is insane. And now we we seem to be passing stimulus packages in the trillions with with ease. Like no one's questioning. I mean, yeah. two trillion-dollar stimulus package. I mean, on top of you know the the nearly one trillion Trump passed, and and then the CARES Act. I mean, within a span of a year, uh, we've injected more than what maybe five trillion, including like Fed purchases and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a huge amount of money or a huge amount that's been pumped into the economy the, the, in in just a year alone. So how like will the economy be be able to hold all this and sustain growth, or are we going to enter a period of possible hyperinflation? Yeah, Result, that's the thing because uh, there are, um, I mean, those same analysts that I said predict predicting the U.S. economic growth. They've also predicted that the ten-year Treasury. Uh, yields will hit two percent by the end of the year, if not even by Q2 itself. Uh, that, which, that's possible. I mean, yeah, at this rate, it's, probably, it's definitely possible. So, I mean, you can't you can't really spend all money in the world and just make it up out of thin air. I mean, at some point, there's going to be a correction that we're seeing right now. Uh, who knows? Maybe like the bull run that we've had from what was it 2009 to 2020 would would have ended and like for the next five six years we'll just be in like a stagnate economy uh, i mean right now we're still in a bullish economy but I mean, we never know what can happen in the future but there is going to be some repercussions by all these you know stimulus packages being passed in record times as well yeah you know this guy named uh carl icon right or yeah uh, he was talking about this, you know, this huge debt cycle that we're in and that it will come to an end, uh, you know, in the coming, you know, one or two decades. Yeah, and but he's the most pessimistic like a... guy on earth. He's even more pessimistic <laughs> than I am on a lot of issues. 
I mean, when you see a lot of thing, things that are happening right now, I mean, it, it does. I mean, the credit people are spending so much on credit card. The credit card debt's increasing mm-hmm. exponentially. With the government spending trillions of dollars uh, without you know having. I mean, it's all fiat fiat currency. But uh, we, of course, we got off the gold standard, and you know, it's just it's just printing money out of thin air. That's essentially what it, I mean. It sounds funny, but it is. It, it's essentially what's happening. Um, so. Yeah, we'll see how. Uh, th- I mean, the next decade could be uh, will be very interesting to see what would happen. Yeah, I know they're wanting to tackle the two percent inflation average over the next couple of years, but it's not I even a target, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, if at, it, at the moment, I, I, there's no way that five trillion dollars into the economy will not provide over two percent inflation. The only issue at this point is just uh, the money circulation right now. Which is at an all-time low because everyone just wants to uh, keep the money in their own accounts right. and not really They're spend it money. outside. Yeah, but once they start spending it, that inflation will shoot up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we got to be right. on the watch out for that. But yeah, other yeah, than you I know mean, the weekly inflation, whatever nonsense, um, there are some other policies being passed out there. The House recently passed uh, two gun safety bills uh, to expand and strengthen background checks. So, yeah, uh, there were two measures that were passed. So the first one uh, was passed on Thursday, and it just requires shoppers to that are shopping online or at gun shows to have, you know, more thorough background checks vetted before they receive a weapon. Um, like currently they're not really required to do so but hopefully like in the future they can then that was passed with i think a 217 to 209 type of route uh but then the second bill which was a bit more controversial uh is the charleston loophole which basically lets the fbi conduct a thorough background check for up to 10 days on any purchases that are made in the u.s and that was barely passed. Like, I think that was like 209 to 204 that it passed the House. So is the, is the Charleston loop like, like, let's say a person goes to Walmart, buys a gun, the mm-hmm. FBI would investigate that purchase and that person for 10, 10 days? I mean, I don't think the specifics have been laid out. I would assume what would happen is that before they're even allowed to like think about purchasing a gun the fbi they'd have to probably infer with some organization in the federal government and then once they get like a check approval or something then they can go buy the gun uh that's what i would hope they would do because i mean if not then what's the point of really buying a gun letting the fbi conduct a background check i mean they could easily as well just conduct a mass murder within those 10 days that the fbi conducts its check-in right i guess i guess what you know the conservatives and republicans are probably look uh infer- interpreting it in- interpreting it this as is is probably like too uh intrusive on on the buyer uh so um uh, that's probably what they're looking at i mean having so many background checks i mean that's good but uh, as if you look at it in a conservative perspective, they probably think it's too intrusive in in their uh, personal freedom or whatnot. So um, yeah, so they're they're probably going to do a filibuster if anything in the Senate uh, before it even gets to a vote there. Yeah, it probably will get passed. I mean, with uh, you think so? Majority. 
I think they could get it passed. Uh, also, I, I mean, tough with the filibusters. Did did they specifically say like uh, they're going to filibuster the bill? Uh, not yet. But you can I mean, override I was... filibusters now. Don't they need like a sixty majority to override it? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm I, as far sure as like I mean, a three fifths majority, right. they need to override it. But you so. know, just just seeing like. Um, you know how fast some of these bills are getting passed because of the democratic majority mm -hmm. uh it seems like this will probably they'll probably compromise on some things but it, they'll probably get these uh gun uh laws gun legislation passed um yeah it's all good news i mean this is having more regulation is, is so is good for us um yeah yeah i mean i i don't think the republicans will take like too long to start doing some of these because you know we got tax uh, increases coming up as well uh, with the Biden administration and also they can't take you know too much of this Democrats uh, policies on them well we, we talked about the Fed here let's talk about the ECB the European Central Bank's policy uh, yeah uh, like they're, they're going to buy more US own debt Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking at like the German bond yields and all the UK and ja Japan. There, those are all increasing sharply as well. Um, so, looks like to counter uh, what's happening in Europe, they're going to buy up more debt. Uh, that should, uh, I mean, I think Europe is also one of the hardest hit countries. Um, so, it looks like they're going to they're going the same path as what the U.S. Fed's doing here. Yeah, they're actually way late onto the party, from what I heard. Um, the Fed like quickly implemented a strategy within a month of uh, you know the stock market crash last year, but the ECB is has not been as aggressive nor as responsive as the Fed has been uh, with concerns or other situations along those lines. So yeah, they may be in for like a slower growth than what the U.S. is predicted to be, and because they're so interconnected with the u.s economy their inflation may also rise a tremendous amount yeah uh, even if they like don't want it to yeah yeah well yeah, i mean in the u.s i mean we are seeing uh, a lot of uh, good improvements with un unemployment uh, mm -hmm. we're beating adp numbers and the numbers that are released on thursday so um it seems like we're on a good good track uh to get back to i think our on our unemployment's around six percent now um i think it's like six or yeah somewhere around six last oh, check yeah the lowest we were was around 3.45 under trump um mm -hmm. we to get there um back under biden's administration will will i think will be a tough challenge for him uh especially with what's going on right now uh yeah. trying to get that number down will be will be kind of tough Mm -hmm. um that would, that would we would need a lot of economic activity uh to start immediately within the coming months uh especially in the summer we should we should like it should be like going back to normal when we where we were in january last year that that type of thing should be in the summer um but there will always be that fear factor i mean we've it's been a year since i mean if you go like to a store and even if you're vaccinated and other people are you're still going to have that thought back in your back in the head just back in your head just you know thinking about 
COVID and other other viruses out there and just uh, the fear factor is always going to be in play. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, no Especially doubt. People. Uh, I mean, that's that's the way with anything. Uh, anything bad happens. I mean, in 2008, when you know financial crisis hit, we were all wary about banks. Again, even though you know 1928, basically the same thing happened. Uh, in 2000, we were wary of tech stocks, which why most investors went into MBS. It started off that. So, yeah, it's probably kind of like a, a, cycle. a good example. Would good. I mean, I think we'll definitely recover uh, within a few years and go back to and and not and just forget about the whole f- uh, fear and viruses. It'll, it'll just be like. Uh, you know, in, in uh, 2001, we ha- when we had the 9/11 incident attack, mm-hmm. um, everyone for for uh, uh, you know it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, you had some uh, kind of discrimination and racism against some uh, you know Muslim and brown people because of it. And we we kind of saw the same thing against you know Asian Americans and Chinese people. Um, and then you had the fear factor of people not not uh, scared of getting on a plane and things like that. Uh, and now we have the same thing, right? We have a fear factor of going outside and getting the flu. And as a result of the attacks, we had increase in security and kind of the same thing is happening here. We had lockdowns and things like that. Uh, and you know, all these test test kits that are going to be, uh, that are going to be employed in the, uh, airports and travel centers and things like that. So, uh, it's very similar. And I think, you know, now we, we really don't think twice about 9-11 when we get on a plane, right? Yeah, uh, or we about, just like, we bitch about ago. the security all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we'll probably get back to normal uh, in a few few months or maybe a few years, complete normal where we just forget about COVID and go on with our lives. Yeah, hopefully the economy gets into another bull run, especially when we are starting to invest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, uh, well, <laughs> our generation's time. okay, but if you look at the millennials, I mean, they are the ones who got. Hard, hard hit. Yeah, I mean, 2008, uh, they all came out yeah, of college. Yeah, and 2000, and tech bubble, and then financial crisis, and now this, and um, and their wages haven't even increased, you know, mm-hmm. in their college education, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, millennials are one of the hardest hardest hit generations out there or in, right now, so um, hopefully for us, we, we continue our bull run for another decade, because uh, we, we just started investing. Um, yeah. So... Hope to God. Speaking but of yeah, investing, um, you know, Nasdaq has completely had a turnaround this week. Uh, great rallies uh, back. I mean, we've not hit all-time highs, but the S&P 500 is, I think, didn't the S&P 500 hit all-time highs? Maybe in the futures? It hit intraday, I think, but not, I don't think it closed all-time high. Oh, okay. So, but still, that's great. I mean, S&P 500 is rebounded. Uh, to all-time highs, the Nag, the Nasdaq is still kind of lagging behind. Obviously, uh, the Dow is on fire; it's just popping off. Um, and yeah, that's uh, probably. I think the Nasdaq would recover in, in this month. Um, we should see all-time high pretty soon. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's still just concerned about the Treasury yields and how they're going to impact it. Um, so yeah, we got to watch out for that, especially with the high growth place that we have. Maybe more wise to go into more value place still. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, you can always uh, hedge your positions, but if you want to go cash, increase cash, that's also good. Maybe buy into value stocks as well. So, um, 
Well, let's continue on to uh, what's going on with in New York. Uh, Cuomo oh, is... He's got, I think, two more. I mean, the, since our podcast last week and we talked about Cuomo, I think he has two more aides that has come out saying of se- sexual misconduct. Um, and uh, the FBI investigation, I think, is still going on against him. And now he has a uh, impeachment investigation. Uh, so it's yeah. it's coming down on him. I mean, I think I think he could get impeached. Um, and I don't I don't even know if you heard the worst part where his um, advisors or anyone who's working for him, basically, they started uh, harassing reporters, the people who were trying to reach out and talk about Cuomo harassing him. And they started harassing them again on top of that, on top of everything that they've done so far. And I mean, if that's not hypocrisy upon hypocrisy, I don't even know what is at this point. Yeah, and you you also see a lot of staff and aides uh, leaving uh, his office because of this. Um, so he is going through a huge shitstorm right now. Yeah, um, I mean, would he be the first ever um, legislator to ever be impeached if if it happens? Because he's not going to resign from the way it's looking. Well, he's I, I don't know. I mean, well, he's a governor, right? Um, as far as governor impeachment goes, I, I don't know if he's the first one, um, but. You know that would be that would be interesting um that would be insane uh, we didn't yeah, he, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to he he, he doesn't want to get out uh, he's saying he's not going to resign and actually the majority of the uh new york uh, uh residents or you know polls show in new york that uh people don't want him to resign uh and, and it's kind of an embarrassment to the whole state of new york right uh, mm-hmm. that that could be the reason why they don't want him to to resign i mean it's 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 a saying on your on on the city as a whole or the state as a whole so um yeah it, it will probably see some sort of uh decision regarding this in the upcoming uh several weeks yeah um, i mean i think schumer and some other democrats are voting to impeach him as well um if possible but yeah just to hear all this happening and he's not even getting any repercussions from it is it's not right yeah he yeah he, uh, he needs to uh, he uh, he apparently like signed a bill saying that he limiting some of his powers that's emergency crap. powers Whoa. yeah that, that's nobody that's not gonna save you from anything well <laughs> there's no uh, there's no such accountability in that uh there, i mean that's nothing basically so um we should see some type of uh uh, justice coming out of from coming from this uh, investigation so um yeah it's i mean it's pretty it's pretty likely he would, he would get impeached based on this yeah i mean if he doesn't then at this point it's just impossible to impeach someone well let's talk about nfts that's it's been going crazy i mean yeah, i've I seen mean... like all these nba top shots getting millions of dollars of in value, I mean that's insane. Yeah, and there was the sixty-nine point three million dollars uh, one with the digital art that was sold recently. Um, I, I mean it's insane. I never thought Ethereum would be used for this. I thought it would actually just be used for regular purchases. But interesting thing, I mean the 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 NFTs are running on this uh, Ethereum blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Ethereum is going Ethereum two point blockchain, so it's going to be a completely new uh system 
with upgrades and, and completely new uh, token system and things like that. So what I don't I mean, I'm probably people will start doing the same thing on Ethereum too. But um, yeah, they're currently doing on Ethereum the the current blockchain of Ethereum. But go, I mean, going back to NFT, I mean, if the, our listeners don't know, it's basically a non fungible token. Uh, you basically get like a barcode uh, for whatever for the thing you want to buy. Um, and it's it's just your token, right? It's 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 basically a digital asset that you solely own. You own the transaction, and that's it, right? Um, but to see, like, I think NBA Top Shot is one of the popular ones. You can buy like, uh, you can you can go on the website and you can you know I was looking at the Celtics ones and you can buy like a Jalen Brown dunk or a Jason Tatum dunk, uh, basically for you know uh, some amount of money, and you own that transaction. Um, and you just, I, I guess you, you buy it cause you just want to flex the money or I don't you know. believe it will appreciate it. You appreciate it in value. But I mean, most of the things that most of the NFT buys, I'm pretty sure it's just a flex that you have money. I don't know. I don't understand why just you have Ethereum. It's, I mean, you're, it's being transacted through Ethereum. Why not just hold Ethereum instead? Why, why hold this? This is, this is nothing. It's going to be nothing in a couple of years. I mean, I say that. I mean, but then didn't that like, flipping banana? We, on we have, we have like no idea, mil? right? But we we have no idea where like this is a completely new front. I mean, it, like I mean, people buy art. You know, we've we've seen like people buy insane art. Like people buying millions, people putting millions of dollars for like a white canvas. I mean, that's crazy art. And this is kind of like another facet of what's going on. I mean. Um, the, I, I I mean digital art is pretty cool. I mean you you can pay whatever you want. You go on Pinterest or whatnot and buy, uh, you know digital art whatnot. And but uh, the NFT craze, I mean that's just on another level. I mean people are getting. I mean this is a market just for buying digital art. But what's going on right now? It's, there's a lot of fraud going on, a lot of scams, and the whole market is kind of getting speculative uh, with the NFTs. Um, so. Uh, there's not much regulation on this. I mean, it's completely decentralized. It's running on Ethereum blockchain, um, and it, it's kind of become a breeding ground for speculation. Um, yeah, I and mean, I don't, I don't even think it's art anymore. This is just, in the financial sense, it's just another asset that's trying to be created for the sole purpose of diversification in other industries. Uh, right. Really I mean, it's it just is. it's. It's literally like buying art, right? You go to an art show, you want to buy some art for $100 or $1,000. Uh, people are just buying digital assets here. You're buying the transaction and you own that piece of, you know, you, you own that digital asset. That's it. Um, and I guess it could appreciate in value if there's another buyer out there, but you own this. It's just a single token. There's nothing else. You can exchange it. Like you buy a Bitcoin and you exchange it with someone else. It, this is just one single token that you own. Um, so, um, I, to me, when I see like a million dollar buy or like a, like the one we just have here, the $69.3 million buy to me, it's just like, Hey, I have money. I'm going to do this. That's, it's just a flex, um, to buy, you know, I have NFTs. That's, that's how I see it. I mean, personally, I'm not going to buy anything regarding NFTs. I'm not going to lay my fingers on anything here. Um, so yeah, it's kind of crazy how insane this has gone you know what else is insane general electric um their their ceo has been doing bits there right now he announced an eight for one reverse stock split which is insane their i think total outstanding shares right now is like 8.8 billion 
So seeing that decrease to 1.1 billion, uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen as large as a reverse split. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons they're trying to do this is just to get back into the Dow Jones. Um, because, you know, they are price weighted. So an attractive price figure for them right now would somewhere be between the $80 and the $200 range for their type of valuation. And this reverse stock split would get them into the 90s, $90 range per share. Yeah, I mean, it's just a huge turnaround with the new management here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've kind of seen that since, you know, early uh, early summer last year. Um, yeah, I think they put posted a profit, right, last quarter um, after a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it looks good. like there's a turnaround in this company. Um, uh, and I guess they're also uh, doing another uh, merger uh, with some... Uh, some company uh, some uh, air cap yeah they're doing they're winding down GE capital basically uh, which at the time was like competing with the likes of uh, BlackRock uh, JP Morgan uh, Bank of America and all uh, before the financial crisis and then you know once that hit their entire capital just fell apart Um, oh that's like that's so interesting so they have like their own investment banking like firm uh, it's not investment banking. It's just more banking. Um, so, like, uh, it's more financing. So, a GM has sort of, like, their own financing thing. Uh, so, it's not. It's like, why go to a bank where in, if you buy, like, a Chevy, you can just finance with GM itself. And they can give you a better rate. So, it's kind of like that. So, they just have their own in-house uh, firm to do all that financing stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what they're doing is they have, like, their jet leasing unit. Um, and they're, you know, merging with that with AirCap for about, I think, $30 billion. So that's a huge influx of cash for them, which they can use to kind of elevate their financials and maybe get into some other industries that are, that look to be, you know, innovative for the future. Well, speaking of GM, uh, looks like they're going to back a new EV startup company after what happened with Nikola. Uh, do you want to continue on like what? What's yeah, going on with I them? mean they, I mean they backed in this company, Lordstone Motors, I think a while back. Um, it was kind of small news then because Nikola and GM were kind of the hype then. But this time Hindenburg, um, the short seller kind of advisor, you would say, they're accusing Lordstone Motors of doing the same thing as Nikola, basically intricate fraud, is what they're calling it. And for GM, this is like a huge step back because now they've backed two EV startup companies, both of which Hindenburg has, are saying that are just failing. Like they haven't shown any proof at all that they're going to survive. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Nikola was just an insane story. It's, it's a crazy story I've, I've read. I mean, you know, you've seen like the ads of their trucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember seeing it when they, when they released it on their YouTube channel and Twitter, and looking at it, I was like, "Oh, this is a pretty cool truck." And then a few months later, Hindenburg comes out, and they say like the truck had no battery or any type of drivetrain, and it was just rolled down a hill. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's props, props to the video camera guy. It looks so real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, probably. imagine just imagine like the team on a hill just like, okay. Here's the thing. So we're going to set up some camera units down there. And we're just going to roll down this truck and just... Just take out the just, blocks, uh, folks. Yeah, that's 
that's crazy. I mean, the fact that Hinderberg's going after uh, Lordstown Motors, I mean, uh, that's, I mean, that's just, I mean, what is General Motors doing? I mean, backing two frauds like this? I mean, wow. This is, I mean, if, if Hindenburg comes out to be true on this, I mean, that's, that's crazy for General Motors to management. I mean. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy with Nikola because their um, CEO, uh, Trevor Milton at the time, like he has, I think, 91 million shares outstanding which is right now worth still a couple billion dollars. Um, so for like a made-up company basically that he created off of one truck in superb marketing, this man is a multi-billionaire. Yeah, it, they have no revenue, no product to sell, and it's a billion dollars. It's more than a billion dollar valuation. That's, that's insane. Um, that's just how speculative the market has become. Yeah, I mean... So, and, and I guess it's all the EV fre frenzy that's caused this, right? Anything that has like electric vehicles to it, any company that has like EV next to it, it it's kind of, it, it's got this huge, huge bullish sentiment around it. I mean, it, it, everyone wants to get on the EV hype and when there's a new startup and people just start, you know, pumping, dumping, you know, all these, uh, just this huge speculative uh, market that we're in regarding EVs, I mean um so many i mean like even like i think like the ticker symbol solo but i don't know i mean the the name is like electromechanical vehicles or something like that yeah um same thing no like absolute i think the revenue is like below 10 million and their their valuations nearly like over half a billion dollars i mean mm -hmm. anything with electric vehicles is just insanely overvalued um so i mean even like if you look at tesla I mean, insanely overvalued it was and it, we had the correction but um, went to almost a trillion dollars. I mean, yeah, so, we were thinking I mean, we'd just go to the moon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are buying the dip. I mean, if you saw like Arc Arc Investment, um, they're still they they had some big purchases of Tesla, and overall their holdings. Uh, basically, Kathy Kathy Wood went on CNNBC and said that this dip was a blessing for them. And mm -hmm. they they see that you know they're if they're 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 saying that their conviction is strong and this this uh, dip is going to uh, have a the buying at this dip is going it's just going to increase their um, appreciation in, in their funds so uh, they she's I mean for her to say I mean this dip is a blessing that that just says something I think she's incredibly bullish on these companies um, but I mean if you look at their funds I mean almost like a quarter uh, down since since february i mean yeah uh i think some of the funds dropped like 25 percent since their highs and um i mean I, them, I bought in some of them yeah, wiped their I mean, gains for 2021 yes yeah, so, yes i think so maybe I, they probably went back but when i when i was buying in they were they're down like five percent year to date this year um so um i'm hope hopefully i mean i, I hopefully these uh the arc arc funds go back up um i expect I mean, I, I think Arc uh, buying but the dip buy on Arc was good, and I'm pretty bullish on their on their uh, funds for the coming years. And I just want to be a part of the story. I mean, with Arc, so. Um, but yeah. yeah, we got we just got to look out for the the rising uh, yields. That's mm -hmm. that's about it. One ETF that I thought would be, you know, kind of hit like Arc and all, you know, the high growth stocks would have been Drive. Um, like the EV 
autonomous ETF, but it's done it's done pretty well to be like it's pretty stable. I mean, the past couple months. Um, right. I mean, if you look at their holdings, right, um, it's it's really well balanced with a lot of you know strong blue chip stocks, a lot of good names, popular names out there. And it's also kind of meshed in with you know all the speculative stocks like Plug Power, Tesla, Neo, and all these other stocks that had incredible rallies in 2020. So that's why it, it it's very balanced, and that's why I really like the fund. Um, you know they have Apple, Plug Power, and you know all you know it, it's it's really nice and balanced uh, for good growth. So um, that's why they they they've been really stable and. Um, yeah, their ETF actually has performed very well in 2020. Um, I think it was up sixty percent for the year. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's I mean, not it's not comparable to like if you look at Arc, they had over two hundred percent or something. But um, or uh, was it two hundred percent or was it like hundred or something? But, it was insane. I think one hundred thirty percent average out. Yeah. Um, so of course, the drive has less volatility, but. In terms of stability and exposure to the EV sector, I mean, Drive has done very well with the or their team. The fund team has done very well. Yeah. With the, with the fund, so. Yeah, I think yeah. they're switching back into those big techs at like a good time, when the EV hype might be start be dying down a bit. Yeah, that's right. I mean, their top like three top five holdings had like Neo and Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two months before when you looked at it. And uh, this this last report shows that now Google is actually their top holding, which is yeah. very interesting. This is a this is a autonomous and electric vehicles ETF, and they have Google as their top. So they're probably betting on Google's, uh, you know, uh, what's the the self driving uh, technology that they have, and they they probably think that that would be uh, one of the stepping stones into. Uh, autonomous taxis and things like that so maybe google, maybe the the management has conviction that google will be leading the robo taxi industry so yeah and tesla i think it was at an 11 percent weight when i got in back in november that's right and now it's it, i think it went 2.8 right i mean it, it was dropping as 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 we came to a close in 2020 it was it was around 10 percent, then seven percent then five percent and now it's down to two percent so looks like uh, the management at Drive Fund think uh, you know they're kind of losing their uh, conviction on Tesla, or they're kind of cashing out of the the profits, and they're going into some of the stable companies that could that actually have a plan to execute uh, you know all the EV uh, you know plans that they have. So um, I think Google's a great bet, and when it comes to robot taxis, uh, Microsoft also has their they acquired this. Uh, uh, autonomous dr- driving company and uh, Apple is also getting into the game, so um, it makes sense for Drive Management to increase the weighting in those stocks. Um, yeah, because they're kind of, they're kind of stable plays, right? It, yeah. you can't really go wrong with these companies, so it makes sense. Yeah, but one company that's uh, really not going into it is Facebook, and they're really pushing rather into augmented reality, which it's no surprise that they are, but um, they kind of recently announced that they have nearly 10,000 employees working for their augmented and virtual reality devices division. And I, right now, I think according to the information in the New York Post, that's around 20% of its entire workforce, which is, yeah, it's like double or triple like Twitter's total employees as well. 
which is insane. Uh, they're really pushing to for that. Yeah, I mean, Facebook can definitely become a leader in the augmented space. They have their Oculus uh, Rift and the products with that, and the Oculus software. So, uh, augmented reality has a huge future. Um, yeah, I think it has, it's especially with yeah, no it has, other firms really focusing on it. They're all focusing on EV right now. Um, so this could be. I mean, a if good you look play. at if, like. Yes, I mean, augmented AR has is has an incredible future in 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 the world. I mean, if you look at like Microsoft's Hololens and their advertisements, you can see like the applications in manufacturing, uh, and all sort in auto in, in the auto industry, and just uh, you know, I think in one of their ads, it was like deconstructing like an, an engine, and also like deconstructing a human body for medical students. So. If, to, if you can make augmented reality and the headsets very affordable and cheap for a lot of people, especially like education, uh, you know, in also applying it in manufacturing and all these like auto sector and everything, um, AR can really, really help and uh, with a lot of the in, in a lot of industries. Um, so uh, just if Facebook's going to be Facebook could definitely be a leader in this in this space. Um, so. Facebook investors should be pretty pretty bullish uh, on the stock if, if they start to gain some market share in the, the AR sector. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that's all for domestic news right now. Uh, let's move on to some foreign affairs. We can start off with China, I think. We have lots of China news to go on. Right. Uh, th this, this past uh, two months, I think chi Chinese stocks have uh, fallen harder than than the u.s market stocks um it could uh, i think it was a uh, it could be like a worrying effect of first of all the the yields rising and uh also some of the trade uh, i think the chip shortage that they had the, and also the trade the trade uh what was it uh trade wars that u.s and china are going through right now regarding the semiconductors um uh, so yeah, I think like the Hong Kong listed tech stocks dropped like 25 or 26 percent in the, in less than three weeks. Um, so I don't I don't know if the Nasdaq fell to that extent. It was probably like 15 percent or 16 percent, um, maybe less. But uh, yeah, Chinese stocks had a huge huge dip. Um, so interesting enough, I mean I think uh, this last year the, the capital inflow in China in terms of investment was. Uh, larger than the U.S., so could this could be a dipping opportunity for some global investors? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but I mean, going off on that, we have, I think, the U.S. chief customer for agricultural goods in China is again buying them, even with the trade war going on, and it's doing so more than it did previous to when all this trade war uh, business got started. Which is kind of a surprise, because I mean, yeah, our uh, I think crops and meat exports have ticked up rather uh, steeply in the I think last quarter I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and twenty twenty years, so that's that's pretty good for for the U.S. For farmers here. Yeah, and then I guess last week we were talking about. Um, China's kind of you know aggressions towards their internment camps as well as what they're placing in Hong Kong uh, I guess kind of going off on that their legislator approved electoral changes that would sort of put their pro Beijing loyalists firmly in charge of both Hong Kong and squeeze opposition groups from you know those elected offices which 
is really a huge move. Um, it's still kind of crazy to see that no one around the world is talking about this anymore. It, it was yeah, such huge news in 2019, and now we're yeah, in we're talking about how like uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I mean that's that's it. You can go ahead. Yeah, so I, we were we were talking about this right a few podcasts ago. How they're handpicking some some of the pro Beijing uh, politicians and throwing out uh, pro freedom in Hong Kong politicians. So uh, it's pretty much like it's kind of like a like a miniature coup that's going on in China with complete change in the Hong Kong government. And yeah, I mean also going on with the uh, the Uyghur situation in China. Um, I think the EU is taking some action against China and targeting with them with some sanctions. Uh, since uh, back in, in 1989 when the Tiananmen Square incident happened, um, so, the, uh, so they're going to have some, uh, I think they're, they're, they could impose uh, sanctions on, on China. Um, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, that would be what's going, I mean, Yeah, that would, be, that would be a big, big move uh, against China. Um, uh, so, I mean, if you look at Biden's uh, stance on this, he was very lenient. I mean, uh, he, he, he called it like, oh, they're doing whatever they want. And it's their, it's their policy. It's kind of like their culture. But with the Uyghur situation in China, I mean, it's absolutely egregious. And we should take uh, a big stance on what's going on. And the EU collectively targeting them with sanctions is, is a good step in that direction. Uh, I think we should, we need to be firm and aggressive against China uh, regarding this issue. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised the U.S. hasn't said anything about anything that's going on still. Um, yeah, I mean, regardless of what the citizens think, the U.S. itself should be, you know, I mean, kind of focusing on this. It's a, yeah, it's a very sensitive issue. Um, you, there's a lot of implications regarding this, right? Mm-hmm. Um speaking out it's it, like a country speaking out against china would, would have huge implications regarding trade and uh possibilities of conflict and things like that so um uh, i think like the u.s and india are also teaming up in terms of policy against china so it looks like a lot of countries are are starting to are starting to stand up against chinese aggression um so uh we could see some conflict arising in the coming months yeah, but the issue things. with India is Modi's really not going to let the U.S. do anything the U.S. really wants to in India. So, right, it's this is more like a issue, uh, like a like a partnership against uh, China and their expansionists. So, yeah, but knowing the U.S., they'll probably get involved in um, Indian politics now if they do end up partnering with them because that's how the U.S. rolls. Uh, and we got some uh, uh, elections coming up with the uh, Lok Sabha and things like that, and state mm-hmm. elections. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, I think maybe the BJP would would uh, will continue to uh, maintain power in India uh, right now. Yeah, yeah, but I and mean, I think like some of the. So usually, like the states in, in in like the the southern states in India are tend to be more secular than the th- northern ones, mm-hmm. and right now, uh, you know, there's a lot of increased uh, uh, support for BJP uh, uh, candidates in these southern states. So BJP is continuing to 
gain a huge influence in a lot of states, and it seems like they will they will continue to uh, gain power uh, across the country. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, what's going on in India? So yeah, I mean it's like yeah definitely see what happens there especially with all the legislation the um protests with the agricultural industry that's going on right now um but yeah i mean it's hard for us to really understand what's going on without us being there so but yeah other than that i mean we have israel um i think you can talk more about what they're up to right now Right, so uh, Israel and the U.S. are continuing to take action against uh, what's going on with Iran. I think last week, uh, you know, the you know, like uh, in January when uh, we killed uh, Soleimani and Iran attacked uh, our base in 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 uh, Iraq. Yeah. Uh, same thing happened last week. Uh, actually, uh, Iran, with some with some of their proxy militants, attacked uh, the base again. Um, so that, that was also increasing, that's also increasing some tensions. Uh, some Iranian backed groups are, are continuing to become more aggressive against the military bases and uh, our military bases there in Iraq. Um, so I, and I think, uh, Israel, Saudi, uh, are, are going to take a more strong stance against Iran in the coming months because it's a, it's a huge, you know, uh, for Iran to gain influence in that area would be bad news for Saudi and Israel. So, and and the U.S. I guess. So, um, we will probably see you know um, some more aggression, aggression and conflicts arising in, in in the in the area over there. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, I, Iran's trying to because we we kind of put a ban on uh, Iran trying to sell their oil in the area. So they want to, and, and we also have sanctions, and we've, kind of, we've also limited their uh, nuclear uh, enrichment, which obviously now they're, get, they're starting to uh, in, enrich more because we got out of the deal. Mm -hmm. So Iran's trying to get more powerful in the area and kind of become a, a strong, uh, like a adversary to, to the Saudi Arabia. So uh, big, big Cold War going on right there. Um, so we'll see how we'll see to what extent this will grow um this could very well end end in a war right uh maybe in a few years if iran does create a warhead that would that would be that would be insanely huge we would definitely go into world war three uh at that point so uh, i mean at this point we can... we're kind of asking for we've, we've spent 20 years close to enough uh really fighting against the middle east so i mean who knows what will happen in the future yeah well um right so i mean the whole thing is like we're, we're allies to israel right mm -hmm. and iran's basically they're they're openly against israel like the ayatollah uh and the current president the heads of state are, are like they're openly for the destruction of israel so once they get like a nuclear warhead, it is complete all-out war. They would, they will uh, use it on Israel. So that would trigger a World War Three, obviously. And um, there, we need to kind of, uh, we need to dissipate this situation, and we need diplomatic talks, and we need to get rid of the sanctions because that's caused a lot of 
uh, problems for the citizen, Iranian citizens. They couldn't get access to medicine and, uh, you know, uh, you know, a certain supplies. So uh, we need to, you know, this this is an issue that will be that can only be solved with diplomatic talks and peace talks. And we need we need to work with the EU and Saudi Arabia and everyone to to kind of um, to to smother the problem and arising problems in the area. Yeah, I definitely think this is a talk in depth that we can have for another time, just like the Middle East scrap alone, because uh, with the way, you know, U.S. is becoming more of an export of oil than an import of oil and Saudi relations have started to increase uh, tensions. Iran's kind of starting to take advantage of this now. Um, So who knows what can happen next? But yeah, I think it's a great debate that we can have for another time with some other guests on the show. But yeah, I think that does it for us. Uh, some stuff to watch out for this week. Uh, so we have Volkswagen's Battery Day. I think this is their first one that they're doing. Uh, so they're kind of getting on the hype train and trying to introduce some of their own new products. Um, yeah, as I mentioned before, refinancing has become a huge issue in the U.S. right now as the you know Treasury yields start to increase and are expected to reach 2% by Q2. Um, so yeah, be careful out there if you're thinking about refinancing your home at all. Um, if I'd say right now, if your, I guess, interest rates are around 4% APR, I would say you can still have a chance to refinance and get a good rate, but anything below that, I don't think it's worth it with the closing costs at all. Um, and lastly, uh, Big Pharma has been very undervalued in my opinion along with some infrastructure stocks. I think both of those could be great value plays for the future, uh, for the remaining of 2021, especially with you know Pfizer, um, Johnson & Johnson. They're all pushing out the vaccines now. Uh, I think we can expect them to start growing as companies uh, due to the influx of cash they've gotten from the U.S. and all. And infrastructure is kind of the same way. I mean, we got the infrastructure bill coming out soon. So kind of hopefully that can regenerate some growth within that industry and who knows, maybe spark another new deal or Obama administration type-esque post-recession plan. But yeah, I think that does it for us this week. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and watching again. If you're watching on uh, Spotify, make sure to follow and listen to us next week. If you're on YouTube, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe. And we will see you guys next time.